Welcome to this conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Keller, and my guest today is James Gibbs. This is pretty big time because James Gibbs is coming to us very recently from sitting in at the State of the Union address in D.C., where he was a guest of Senator Tim Kaine, and James Gibbs's title is At-Large International Vice President of the United Mine Workers Association. There's lots to tell. Welcome to this conversation, James Gibbs. Thank so you. Why, why is it that you were invited by Senator Tim Kaine to go be at the State of the Union? I have uh, known Tim since he was lieutenant governor, ran, running for lieutenant governor. And Tim and I became friends over the years, but he knows we're sort of fighting for the same cause. as working for the people in, in South, well, in Virginia or Southwest Virginia, uh, per se. But uh, we were all working for the same cause of trying to bring, and and if we're going to do away with some of these mining jobs and these mine closures, of trying to bring some good paying jobs back in to uh, Southwest Virginia. And so me and him have talked about this a number of times. And so he wanted to uh, invite me up for the State of the Union so we could have a little bit more conversation about it. Well, you just opened up the door to lots of conversation right there. And this is the question that I've always been so interested in about mine workers. Yes. And you just said it. These mine jobs, mining jobs are going to go away. There are mines that are shutting down and closing. People seem to think that if you have criticism of mining and use of coal, that that automatically gets equated with that you're anti-mine worker. I take it that you don't see it that way, since you just said part of your objective is to find other good-paying jobs. Well, it's just like I told Tim King. If people assuming that fossil fuel, coal, oil, and gas are the problem, then if you're going to bring good jobs back into the community, if we've been part of the problem, then we want to be part of the solution. And the only way we can do that is being a part of everything that's going to consist of bringing good paying job, good union job back into Southwest Virginia. I think the mine workers have always led that what led it uh, the situation as we're trying to bend the lead of taking bringing jobs back in and around and good paying job back into Southwest Virginia, and we ought to be a part of this uh, solution as far as bringing these jobs back in in, in this area uh, again. A lot of people say that. Hillary Clinton lost the election when she was running for president because she made some comment about we're going to close down mines. I don't remember exactly what it was. She did in West Virginia. So tell me about the context of that. And people, I think it was somewhat taken out of context what she said and what what she meant. But what was your take on all that? Because there was so much blowback about that. Well, I, I think it was a bad statement in the first place. And and it's like uh, President Roberts uh, of the mine workers and I were talking about once before. When you make a statement like that, uh, how in the world can we as union mine workers, uh, even if you make the statement and put in the wrong contents, still yet it, it hurts the situation of us being able to support the Democrat Party when all of them are making that statement. And then and then won't even visit the coal fields like they used to visit the coal field when they wanted our support. So when she made that statement, uh, it made it real hard for us to support her. I mean, to, uh, you know, it just, it did. I mean, to our members. Our members have no way of knowing 
how she meant that statement or how any Democrat would mean that statement. It, it's, we talk about it all the time. Uh, you cannot make a statement in that manner or say you're going to do away with these cold jobs and do this and you still want people to support you. Now, we didn't, you didn't lose our support, but a lot of people didn't understand what you were saying when you were saying it. So you shouldn't say those statements till you can make it clear to the folks. Yeah, and so politicians I, have to parse every single word because there will be people who will take it just at face value. But do the mine workers in general understand the good intention about eliminating or reducing the use of fossil fuels? Listen, mine workers are just like anybody else. We want clean air and clean water also. But I think people put so many emphasis on coal being the lead of all of this. I don't think if you if you paid any attention during the virus, when they took the when everybody wasn't going to work, when everybody wasn't driving their cars and their vehicles on the highway, California is the most polluted probably state in this country. I always talk about the smog and stuff that's in California. They show pictures of when all the traffic was away, taken away from uh, off the highway and people were staying home and working from home during the virus, uh, how clear the air got. Now, California don't burn, don't have one uh, coal burning uh, substation or uh, power structure in, in California. They don't. They buy their coal from neighboring states. I mean, they're electric from uh, power from electric from other states. But they they want to blame it all on coal. Big oil and gas is pushing their competition away from the table, and that's us. And we're going to fight for coal as long as coal got to be, can be fought for. But the thing of it is, if you're going to do away with these coal jobs, you can't just leave these people out of work, and that's their, been their livelihood. And that's what we always try to tell politicians. You've got to understand this is our livelihood. This is where our people are. And it's, it's all kinds of electronic miners, my minor men and everything else, uh, electrician. I'm tired of people saying we got to be trained for these other jobs to come in. Our people could do these jobs. You just got to be, they got to be given a job to be able to show what they can do and what they can't do. And that's the problem that we run into when, and we've been Democrats all our life. But the thing of it is, if uh, you're going to tell us well, how you're going to do away with our jobs and not tell us how you're going to replace those jobs and those kind of jobs and good paying jobs, then it's pretty hard for us to keep supporting people that don't support us. And that the use of fossil fuel is diminishing and that you mm -hmm. want to bring in union jobs and good paying jobs. What is the vision for that right now? What, what kinds of jobs? Where are they going to come from? Well, I'm, I mean, we hope that's where we hope that the politicians will help us. They with this infrastructure uh, and, you know, and, and build back better uh, bill that they had passed. We hope if, if you're going to have those jobs coming in, building bridges, building roads, you cannot tell me if you've been to the Briggs International Park, one of the most beautiful parks in this country, and go in on the Kentucky side and go in on the West Virginia side and see those three and four lane roads coming to the park, and then come up on the Virginia side, it looks like a snake's been crawling up through there, through the mountain. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to say to you. So it's jobs to be had. It's just a matter of us getting some of those jobs. And, and I don't think you can do that and then bring them in here non-union and then say, you know, well, you, we'll, we'll pay you $18 in there and that ought to be good enough. No, we want good union jobs to come back in this area. And, and we want them to be mine workers and any other union that can get those jobs. Well, that's another thing that I want to ask you is about the, the workers that you reach out to other than mine workers. 
don't let me forget that we've got to get back to that. But I want, first of all, to talk about your history as a mine worker. Yes. Well, I can tell you right now, I was born in Clinchco, Virginia. I mean, well, Northern Virginia, but I lived in Dixon County all my life, raised in, North, in, in Dixon County, went to school at Everton High School in North Virginia. And my father was the first African-American to own and operate uh, coal mines in the state of Virginia. It was a union mine. And at that time, uh, you could own and operate a mine and still be in the union, and he never left the union. So the 14 years that he ran that mine, from 1960 to 1974, I think it was, my father uh, ran that mine as a union mine, had over 120 people working for him. And him and my mother uh, raised me to believe that we can have and we can do but we got to work for what we get. And so, and we've always done that. And and that's what I said to what I was to, when me and Tim Kane had these conversations talking about our families. Uh, I always said, if we're going to be part of the problem, then let us be part of the solution. And that's what the mine workers are saying. Every time that we go in and have to fight for a contract or fight for a living wage for our people or raise for our people or health and safety for our people, and that's what we've done all the time. And ever, ever since I've been in this union, I have done that because I was raised. My father was a 52-year piston uh, union miner, and my grandfather before him was 38 years, and I got 48 years with this union. And I feel like that it would be the last thing that I'd want to give up because it, it took care of me as a kid. It took care of my mom and dad while they was raising me as a kid. And that's hard for me to say we're going to give all of that up just because somebody said they don't want they want to do away with coal. Now, if you're going to tell me and you're going to help me, don't say you're going to you're going to fight me in one sense and then and then and 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 just stab me in the back in the other sense by doing away with our livelihood. And that's what you're doing whenever you you do away with coal completely. And if you do away with that kind of job that I've had that followed, that furnished me healthcare, in, the insurance, and and just gave my family and re- helped me raise my two girls and give them a good start. And I'm just saying, uh, I've been in this union, for, like I said, for 48 years, and it's been a big part of my life and it's part of our livelihood. And in Southwest Virginia, the six cold counties did not become the fighting nine just because people walked away from when it got tough. We've always had to fight for our living and fight for our jobs and fight for the justice. And so we're still doing that. You just told us about your father and grandfather. One of the questions that I was going to ask you was, how did you decide to go into mining? And I suppose if your father owned the mine, that that was exactly what you wanted to do and what he wanted you to do. No, my father actually wanted me to go to college. And and I wanted to be my own man and have my own uh, life. And uh, I actually had two college, two scholarship, uh, scholarship offers uh, from University of South Carolina and Concord University there in Kentucky to play football. And I and my father had saved for me to be the first one in the family to go to college. But I told him uh, when I graduated, I wanted a good job and I wanted a job that paid good. And I wanted a job uh, that would uh, make me grow up as a man, young man and, and be able to raise a family and, and, and give them the kind of living life that they would uh, that they gave to us. So as being my sisters and brothers. 
And I said, so I applied for three different jobs uh, with AEP, with Piston Co. Company, and then with the Telephone Co. Uh, company at that time. And I thought that was three great jobs if I had an opportunity to work either one of them. And, and, and of course, the power company called me first. And I uh, went to work for them for about four years. And then uh, uh, after, and I decided after, and it was a non-union company. And they decided to tell me how I was supposed to live my life. <laughs> and I, I guess I started being a radical or somebody that uh, spoke out and spoke his mind before then. I said that was not going to happen. But I learned a lot from AEP. But I, uh, I then the, uh, when I went to apply for uh, Piston, uh, I wasn't old enough. And then about four years later, after I got tired of working for AEP, I went to uh, Piston Coke Company and they gave me a job. And I went into mine as an underground electrician. And actually, I uh, had been talked, had talked to uh, the line crew supervisor for Piston Coke Company. He had, they had done some work uh, joined with AEP at, on a couple of projects. And then I told him that I, uh, one day would like to work for him. And he, uh, the supervisor came back and asked me to come to work for him. But when I went into mine with the contracts and the seniority, I had to, uh, I had to go by seniority and I had to go work at the end of mine. So I had to work 13, 14 years underground. And then I finally got a job in their line crew. My guest today is James Gibbs. He is at large international vice president of the United Mine Workers Association. We're talking about the status of coal in Southwest Virginia. We're talking about Mr. Gibbs having the ear of a senator and being invited to the State of the Union in D.C. to talk about issues related to mine. One thing that you didn't mention, James, and I've had an interview on this show about this, that in Southwest Virginia, a lot of the mines are declining. Some are shutting down. The number of workers has plummeted. But we still have in Southwest Virginia what nobody else does in coal in terms of the quality of the coal and the demand for the coal. How does that intersect with the Mine Workers Association? Well, let me just say this. Most of these coal companies for years have tried their best to get away from us. And the reason is uh, they have not like signing a contract with our folks and being uh, with union. They like these uh, employees where they can tell and 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 treat unjust. Uh, we've always talked about this with a lot of the non-union brothers. Uh, they want them to stay at will employees. They can fire them at their at their liking. And so the coal companies have fought us for years because of the health and pension that we require them to, ha- to furnish our people, uh, our benefits, uh, days off, sick leave. Uh, family leave when they have kids. Uh, it's just things that uh, they have fought us and they have tried to figure out every way they could and can to get away from us. Uh, when they started this uh, this project, uh, where they first started taking their health care and pension away from our retirees. We had a strike in 89 and 90 with, uh, with Piston Coal Company where they actually took our healthcare away from our pensioners and our retirees. And that's by mom and dad. And my dad had broke his back for this company to do everything and anything he could to help them grow. And these companies did not care. These people started got they got greedy 
And so they figured out a way finally by taking bankruptcies. And that's what they tried to do here lately. Um, all of these coal companies and the money got bigger for them. And then they started claiming bankruptcy and shutting these mines down. And that's what a lot of this is going on right now. I always tell people, everybody kept blaming President Obama for the reason of coal, us losing coal jobs, but we lost more coal uh, and coal miners under President Trump than we did under President Obama. People don't know that. And the reason is because he came in with these big coal operators. I always tell people, you ought to look at, when you look at these press conferences that he had, when President Trump had uh, in West Virginia and stuff, and see all these white hat miners that was in there, uh, anybody know anything about mining? That has not that is not rank and file members. That's all bosses and management. Mm -hmm. And people never looked at that. And he didn't care a bit about saving these jobs. But he told these people that lie. That man never had his hands dirty. And yet he told these people that lie, and it stuck. And they actually thought he was fighting for their job. Now. I blame the Democrats because they gave up after he told that lie because they stopped going into the coal fields like they used to and talking to the people and getting to know these people and see what the problem was. They decided when, when coal was starting to leave, they thought that we had left. And I asked them, to, I asked some of these Democrat treasurers and clerks in these different counties in the coal fields, Go back before you all started marking us off and, and giving up on us. Then look at your 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 uh, tax and uh, see that most of these people are still living in these counties. They just retired whenever the mine shuts now. Now that's our folks. I'm talking about the the, the union folk. Now a lot of these non-union folks are still working in some of these non-union mines. And they got a deductible of paying seven, eight thousand dollars deductible for their health care. They these coal companies knew what they were doing, and they knew, and they have joined up with a lot of these folks in big oil and gas of doing away with coal. But I always ask people to please go back and look at the beginning of these mines and at the end of these mines and see these oil wells and gas wells going through the mines now. These mines they put to shut down and bring the land back to its original uh, point. And they're not doing that because they keep these mines open. They laid off all these inspectors. The inspectors now don't go into these old mines, abandoned mines, and they run these oil lines through there and stuff. So if they have any type of, of explosion or falls or something, they just go and reroute it through the other, sex, other side of the mines. And they know what they're doing. And big oil and gas is trying their best to put us out of business because they don't want the competition. And that's the reason I said, if you go back and look during the virus and go to California and look at all the smog and everything that they had when they took the gas and oil off, off the roads and all of that and California, how easy and how clear the atmosphere got. Now, people don't want to listen to that because it's the facts and it's the truth. So if you're going to say that we are part of these problems of bringing this smog and, and bringing this clean air, I mean, dirty air and stuff into this country, then please, before you do away with our jobs, give us some good and, and, and just jobs to go back to. And James Gibbs, you're talking a lot and putting a lot of this at the feet of Democrats. It used to be 
like the Bible in Southwest Virginia and in the coal fields that the Democrats were the party of the working people, the party of the miners. What went wrong? How did that change? That's what I'm talking about. It was easy for everybody to say coal was the problem. Instead of the Democrats doing what they normally did, talking to us and being a part with and being a partner with, with us, they went out and started saying, okay, we're gonna ignore these miners. It don't it bummed they I think it, I even heard that some statement that some of the Democrats were saying that we were small, we didn't matter no more. It's 82, I mean, 100 counties in Virginia, and 82 of them have mine workers in those counties. And I'm telling you, the millions and millions of dollars that we spend from our health care and our pension into this, this uh, economy in, in the state of Virginia, I'm telling you, I don't see how anybody cannot, can ignore us. And two, how do people think we're getting smaller? And then we have gotten smaller. A lot of people's passed away. A lot of people moved out when the jobs moved out. But a lot of these people had their homes paid for, still live here. The kids live with them. And I always tell people, if we got over 12,000 retirees in, in Southwest Virginia, then you take and multiply that times four because, and that's just, that's giving it some because I guarantee you a whole lot of those families are much bigger than that. And usually they're the heads of those families actually votes and whatever way they vote, the kids will vote too. Now, the Democrats lost us when they stopped going into our counties and, and stopped going and talking to our people and thinking that the union had got so small that we didn't matter. Well, okay, I, excuse I, me for interrupting, but I'm sure you said these things to Senator Kane. I what does he say he's going to do for you and for they, the mine workers? Senator Kane told me about the highway just coming 66 that they've been and been working on and and. Uh, what to call? I can't remember the, what's the name of the highway, but it's I know it's Route 66. I think Cofield's the Motown or something like that or something. But anyhow, he said there's going to be a lot of jobs coming in here and going to be a lot of union jobs coming here. He's saying the same thing that President Biden is saying. That's the reason I can still talk to Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine actually cares about the working people. He got away from some of that a little bit. Me and him disagreed some. But he cares about the working class people and he cares about the justice and the injustice that has been came. And when that happened with the health care and the pension, when that happened with the health care and the pension, Tim Kaine and Warner, Senator Warner, uh, was two of the people that absolutely uh, fought for that health care and pension because they know how important it was to the members of Southwest Virginia, but also our other members that we have throughout the state and throughout the country. And they were two of the senators belong, along with the two senators in West Virginia, Senator Brown in Ohio and Senator Casey in Pennsylvania. All of them pushed for this. Now, we had a bunch of, re a group of Republican congressmen that voted for, and since this is uh, Black History Month, I also want to say we had 54 senators from the Black Caucus in D.C., I went and talked to each and every one of these, these people. And they voted in lockstep with Senator Kane and them because Senator Kane and them was lobbying to help us get this bill passed because they know how important it was for us to have this, especially in Southwest Virginia. And these people, 52 of them uh, were, were not even in coal districts, but they voted with us, had no reason to vote for us other than the injustice that we were was being given to us. 
And they voted for us in lockstep, all 54 of them. Two of them were in coal districts in Alabama, but they voted for us to the, the pass that bill. And But now we had a congressman, Republican congressman, only, only congressman in the coal field in the ninth district, uh, Griffith, that did not even support this bill. Only one in any of the coal uh, districts in any of the other states. He was the only one. And I have told Democrats after Democrats, tell the story on how you supported our health and pension. And this is what I've been trying to talk to Senator Kane about, Senator Warner about, and all of them. We can tell the story, but it's better coming from you all on how you helped us lobby and how you helped us fight for that at healthcare and that pension. Because it's it was over 180,000 coal miners throughout all of these states, the 26 states that we had union coal. I'm telling you, that was so important and saved so many people's life that I can't even start to tell you in how it affects their, their livelihood. Affects each state in which we pay our pension and healthcare pays uh help pay their bills and and in economically how that pension and health care especially in virginia and i tell people don't take my word for it go and check your own facts that's what i told our clerks and 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 our, our treasurers in each one of these cold counties don't take my word for it go and see how many people we got still left in these counties and you're talking about the protection for minors act that passed in 2019 Yes. Can you right. sum up exactly what was in that bill again? Just the thing was, it brought it helped our pensioners from 1950 to 1974. On we got two different, three different plans on the in our pension plan, and it saved our pensioners their health care and their pension from 1950 to 54 74 plan, from 74 to the 93 plan and from 93 to 95 plan. It ain't something that I'm trying to tell people that you can, you can go and do our, our website. You can go to any press you want to go to. You can find this information yourself and look at the amount of money that this had saved. When I, when I talk about the healthcare pension, my mother was in the hospital for three months. <laughs> Would have been way over, way over a million dollars. There's no way my sister and my and my 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 two sisters and myself and, and my brother could have paid for this, but it would have broke us up. And and I'm saying when when we talk about these things, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. How it saved people's lives, how it saved families uh, for not having to foot the bill for their parents and taking care of them, and 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 the front the healthcare that this has to furnish. My mother was in three months and didn't have to pay as much as five dollars. Could yes. I interrupt you again? Would you uh -huh. be willing for us to take a pause here and continue this conversation? Yes, I will. Okay, yeah. because there's so much more that I want to talk to you about and your passion is captivating. So I'm going to close out now and we're going to resume our recording and then this will air in the following week from pe when people hear this part one. Okay. I'm Teresa Keller. My guest is James Gibbs at large international vice president of the United Mine Workers Association. You're listening to WEHC 90.7 and WISC FM Wise. And you can hear this conversation Wednesdays at six, Sundays at two. You can go to WEHCFM.com and click on the podcast site 
if you missed part of this and want to hear it again or pass it on to someone else. So this is part one of my interview with James Gibbs. We're signing off now. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned to 90.7.